Howdy y'all, welcome to episode 42 of Running with Sam and Dave. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 10. We started it last time, just kind of read the first verse, so we'll repeat that again. But what's happening here, uh, if you've not been with us, or if you have been and you've just forgotten, uh, is that uh, Saul uh, was a... Um, a man from the tribe of Benjamin who was out looking for his father's lost donkeys. Uh, He and his servant decided to go ask the prophet that was in a town, uh, that prophet being Samuel, uh, if they could, if he could tell them where the donkeys were, they get to the town, they meet Samuel. Samuel invites them to a, to a dinner uh, where they are treated as the uh, guests of honor. And eventually uh, Samuel anoints Saul as the ruler of Israel. And that's what we read here in verse one. It says, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you'll find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There, three men going up to God at Bethel will, re- will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and will be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, and, or sorry, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. All right, so this is some crazy stuff here. Um... And I, I just always, I always think about when I read these things, like what must Saul have been thinking about? All he was doing was looking for his donkeys. And here this strange, strange event happens where the prophet pours oil on his head, tells him he's going to become the commander of the Lord's inheritance. And that has to be, um, that has to be a, a hard thing to grab a hold of. So, I mean, let's just let's just back up a little bit. And I, I may have talked about this a little bit earlier this week, but just just think about this. Here you are, Saul, walking into this town with your servant, and you meet the the prophet, and the prophet tells you, "Come with me to dinner." The prophet tells you your donkeys have been found, which already that's like, okay, that's how did he know that? But maybe he heard, maybe he heard from, you know, the, the the women in town that I talked to. Maybe he'd heard that I was looking for these donkeys. But then he treats me in this strange way, treating me as the guest of honor at this meal. And, you know, in this, this whole strange thing where if I was Saul, I might be thinking like, 
there's a serious case of mistaken identity here, right? Because Saul Saul says at one point, like, you know, who am I? I'm from the the least of the tribes of Israel, and from the least family of that. And yet Samuel anoints him as the king, basically. Anoints him as, you know, the 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 uh how does he put it here in verse one? As the commander over the Lord's inheritance. So he doesn't end there. Right? He doesn't just expect Hey, Saul, believe this, because he's been given a very important job and he's been given, a, I mean, a calling that God has placed upon him. And so there's this beautiful thing here that, that God does for Saul so that Saul can live his life and do his job and be in that place of his calling and never have to wonder if it was all just a mistake. See, he gives him these prophecies, right? He tells him, go do, go, go depart from me. And you're going to find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin. And this is what they're going to say. They're going to tell you when you meet these guys that the donkeys have been found and that your dad's worried about you. And then as you keep moving forward, you're going to come to a tree in Tabor and three men are going to be there. And this is where they're going. And this is what they're going to be holding. And they're going to greet you and they're going to give you some bread and you shall receive it. Take the bread from them. And then you shall come to a hill where the Philistine garrison is. So, I mean, he just keeps going on and on and telling him all these things he's going to encounter and all these things he's going to see. And I think this has to be a great confidence booster to Saul as he encounters all these things. More and more, as one after another comes to pass, he goes, there can be no mistake. There can be no coincidence. Here I am walking down the road and here's I'm encountering the two guys, just like you said. But maybe he told those two guys to tell me that. But then he goes to the next place. And as he goes, he continues to encounter these things. So just as, as what God says, these are the things that happen. And. And that's what it says in verse nine. It says, so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart and all those signs came to pass that day. So here's the beautiful thing about this is that God demonstrates to Saul his wisdom. How does he do that? Well, he demonstrates his omniscience, his knowledge of the end from the beginning and his omnipotence, his power to manipulate things, move things, push things in the way that he wants so that things happen at the times that they need to happen to show that this is God that's doing these things. This isn't just some prophet telling you, hey, believe me. He's giving evidence that the one who's giving him the information, right? Samuel's telling him these things so that he knows that his word is true because no one can orchestrate this stuff on his own. He's saying, look, all these things are going to come to pass so that you know that it was God who did it. So why am, why am I spending any time talking about that beyond just pointing out what happened? Well, I think that when we read the Bible, this is an important thing to understand. And this is one of those things I didn't understand uh, when I was a young Christian 
was when people try to talk to me about prophecy. You know, when they say the Bible's the word of God and you ask the question, well, how do you know? And they go, well, look. And I remember somebody reading to me something. I don't remember what it was they read, but they read something in the Old Testament that said something. I don't, I don't know what it was. And then they turned forward to the New Testament, as far as I recall, and they read something. And they said, see, God said this was going to happen. And then look, it happened. And I was like, so I can write a book that does that. I can write on page one. Johnny's dad is going to give him a car in three weeks. And then right on the next page, three weeks later, Johnny's dad gave him a car. Ooh, look, I've told the, you know, told the future because I didn't understand that the Bible wasn't written in one sitting by one person. I didn't understand that those new Testament things had been the, well, the old Testament things that were written had been written, translated into Greek and accepted by the people at the time as God's word before the fulfillment of many of those things. When we talk about Jesus, the hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Why hundreds of prophecies? Well, it's the same thing that's going on here with the book in the book of Samuel with, with Saul. All of these things are coming to pass so that Saul might know that this is the calling upon his life. That Saul might know that he is being called by the God the creator of the universe, the one who knows the end from the beginning, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the almighty God. And it's the same for you and me. God is, has all these prophecies recorded in the Bible so that we might see them fulfilled, many of them in Jesus, that we might see that so that we might have the evidence so that we might know that this isn't just an Oh, a coincidence. He fulfilled that one prophecy. What sort of coincidence would it take to fulfill hundreds of them? For just to be born in the right place, to be killed in the right way, to, uh, to have parents both of the right lineage, to have his clothes gambled for at his feet, to be killed in a specific way at a specific time on a, you know, on and on and on. Uh, it's very difficult to orchestrate where you're born and who your parents are. It's very difficult to orchestrate all the things that Jesus fulfilled. Most of them you couldn't, if you wanted to, because they were beyond your control, but not beyond the control of God. And so don't miss the evidence, right? Here we're, we're saying Saul should have this confidence that this calling is true and that he has this calling because God has shown him through the evidence of this fulfilled prophecy. Well, it's no different for us. It's no different for us. You have a calling. We're called to, to turn from our sins, to repent and turn to Jesus, to receive him as our savior, for he is the savior of the world. How do we know that? Well, because he fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. He fulfilled those things, those things written hundreds, thousands, years, some of them a couple thousand years before he came on the scene. He fulfilled them so that we would know, so that we wouldn't have to go, I wonder if Jesus really was the Messiah. We can read it and go, look, no, he fulfilled the qualifications that were written long before he was ever born. They were translated into a different language we know long before he was born. So it wasn't 
written afterwards. It wasn't changed afterwards. It was already there before. And so we can trust it and we have confidence in it. God bless you. Talk to you next time.